So this morning, I have a word that I believe is for everyone in the room. Um, I, uh, I like the feedback already. Thank you, Trucin. I paid him this morning to... I'm just kidding. Uh, but I believe that the world that we live in today is full of fear, full of anxiety, full of worry, full of doubt. And so I, I've been asking God, I actually uh, talked with Rakita this week, and I said, man, I have a word, and it's going to be great. And then the day after that, God said, no, this is going to be the word. And so I, I pray that it blesses you. I won't be more than 30 minutes, and you can get to lunch, and you can eat all you want to eat. Um, but I believe that this word is going to encourage you, uh, yet also challenge your thinking, because a lot of times we take a lot of these verses that I'm going to read, and I'm just going to, I'm going to go at it at a different angle today, but I want to take these verses and show that sometimes we take these verses out of contact, uh, context, and so we actually miss the promise that God is making in the verse. And so uh, I want to go at it at a different angle, and the title of this message I want to talk to you for the next few minutes is Get Your Slingshot Ready. Look at somebody and say, Get Your Slingshot Ready. Now look at your second choice, the person you ignored the first time, and say, get your slingshot ready. If you don't like them, you know, it's church. Just smile and say, okay. And we'll pray for you at the end of service. So I want to I start here in Philippians uh, chapter 4, verse 6 through 7. It says this. It says, be anxious for nothing. Now we could stop right here. And everybody leave and go home and try this. But at some point or another, we're going to realize that this is pretty hard to do. So be anxious for nothing. But in everything, not just a couple of things, not what we think that we should every now and then, but everything, from the biggest thing to the smallest thing, by prayer and supplication, get this, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. This is where I want, us to, I want us to really focus in right here. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, get this, will guard your hearts and minds through, Jesus, through Christ Jesus. Now, I look at this verse and I, and I realize that sometimes it's hard to live out. Sometimes it's hard to not be anxious when a situation arises. Sometimes it's hard not to worry or, or to pray about every single little thing. Did you know that? I believe a lot of people in the world are going in the wrong direction because they don't consult God about everything. Well, everything? Yes, everything. Well, what if I'm buying a new car? You need to consult God. What if he was protecting you from the one that doesn't have that safety feature that you might need? Everything, And I believe that, that it's hard to live out sometimes because uh, it's hard to, in the world that we live in not to drive down the street or walk down your street or, or go, go through your neighborhood and not have some kind of anxiety or some kind of fear. And so I looked at this scripture and I realized that we all get anxious from time to time. It's a truth. We all get anxious from time to time, whether a bad anxiety or a good anxiety, whatever it is, we all get anxious. And so this scripture here, it says a lot. But it also doesn't say a lot. There's a lot that it does say and a lot that it doesn't say. And so I, I want to I look at the good, the good thing. It says that this peace surpasses all understanding. This is, this is incredible. I love this because that means if peace and understanding were in a race, peace would get there first. 
That means that peace embraces me before I ever even get into a situation. That's incredible. Peace already embraces me. That means I can ask God why, but still sleep like a baby at night because of peace. That means I can, I can wonder what's going on, but still have peace and sleep at night. I won't lose sleep. I don't have to worry. I don't have to let it rule my mind. But this is what we need to understand. It says peace will guard your heart and your mind, not your situation, not your issue. Peace will guard your heart and your mind. See, we think sometimes that it says it will guard our issue. And God will give us the peace that will guard and surpass all of our understanding for our issues. And all of our understanding for our problem. And we want it to say this sometimes. We hope that it says this sometimes. God, God, I need you to just let peace take care of this problem. But we're taking it out of context and we're, we're missing the promise because uh, that's not the promise. And we wonder why God's not delivering us from a situation that we think he should. Because that's not the promise. The promise is that he will guard our minds and our hearts. His peace will go over our mind and our heart. Have you ever, have you ever been at a traffic light or driving your car? Some of you have because I've seen you. And everything's cool. And you're all buttoned up to the T. You're just relaxed, but then your jam comes on. Some of you begin to act like a different person. I mean, you're just like kicked back, and all of a sudden it's like the Mariah hand. I don't even know how you do that while driving, if you do. And you're acting crazy. That's the Mariah hand, if you didn't know. My bad. She was like, what's that? Mariah. Uh, I'm sorry. You turn into a totally different person. Have you ever been that person? You ever just like, you're just jamming? Sometimes sometime I'm jamming to like worship music and I, I'll open my eyes. I'm like, how did I just make it 10 minutes? You know what I mean? <laughs> the peace of God. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, angels. Uh, but you turn into a totally different person. But have you ever been singing like your jam and right in the middle of your jam, your favorite song, someone says, you're not even singing that right. That's not the right lyrics. Have you ever been, you're like, I've been singing this for 20 years. Why don't you go ahead and tell me, Mr. Lyric Police? Like, tell me how it goes. Tell me what the words are then. This happened to me one time with a Christmas song. I mean, how can you mess up a Christmas song? Like, anybody mess up Christmas songs? Just me? Nobody's like, just me. <laughs> Maybe I need to be saved. Uh, I will answer the altar call. Uh, it happened to me one time, I was singing at work a few years ago, I used to work at a bank, and I was singing Winter Wonderland, and this is a confusing song, and this is what I was singing, I was singing, later on, we'll perspire, as we sing by the fire. Makes sense. Makes perfect sense. And this lady that worked in the office with me, she was like, you're singing that wrong? I was like, no, I'm not. I know Christmas songs. I am a Christian. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> and so, I'm just kidding. I didn't say that. Uh, and she was like, no, it's later on we'll conspire as we sing by the... I was like, what? I was like, that doesn't even make sense. And she was like, yes, that's, that's the words. And I said, okay. So, you know, I pulled up on Google. And guess what? Those are the words. 
And I was like, that, I, I don't even understand. So I look up the word conspire. Let me tell you about this Christmas song. Maybe you'll delete it from your list. It says this. This is what conspire means. To make a secret plan jointly to commit an unlawful or harmful act. Like, I don't want anybody conspiring by the fire. Like, later on. You know, like, like you can perspire by the fire because you're sweating. It's hot. You see what I'm saying? Like, that makes perfect sense. But conspire? Like, who is conspiring in an unlawful act on Christmas except the Grinch? Maybe he wrote it. But you can perspire, and, and so I like my version better. I don't know about you. Maybe you'll be driving down this December and be singing perspire, and that's fine. I won't judge you because I am too. But it doesn't matter how much I like my own version more. It doesn't matter how much more sense it makes to me. It doesn't matter how loud I sing my version. It doesn't make it right. And if we learn it wrong, we'll live it wrong. And it's the same with the Bible. If we learn the scripture wrong, we'll live it wrong in our life. We'll miss the promises. And some of us are expecting God to do something that he never promised us that he would do. We're we're expecting God to come through in a situation that he's just saying, look, I'm giving you peace for that. I'm giving you grace for that. I'm going to protect your mind and your heart. I'm not not necessarily going to say, you know what? Uh, I'll stop that problem. Can he? Yes, he can. But sometimes we're expecting him to take us out of every single thing. And before we know it, we're hurting ourselves. We're missing the promise. We even tell people out of the goodness of our heart, we quote these things to them. But if we're telling them wrong, they're going to live it wrong. We're hurting them. For instance, Adam and Eve. Adam's in the garden and God talks to Adam. He says, Adam, you cannot eat of this tree. You cannot eat it. If you eat it, you will surely die. Adam goes to Eve. It's his duty to tell her. He says, Adam, I mean, he says, Eve, do not eat of this tree. As a matter of fact, don't even touch it. He took what God said out of context because when Eve goes to it, God didn't say don't touch it. He said don't eat it. So when Eve touches it and the serpent says, see, you didn't die. She's living it wrong, and all of a sudden she says, well, I guess I can eat it. And so because he took it out of context, and she ate the fruit, and then he ate the fruit, now, instead of living forever with God, now death and sin has entered the world. Because what happened in that context, Adam took it and learned it wrong, and now we live it wrong. It's an amazing thing. We have to be very, very careful how we learn Scripture and how we apply it because any time in our lives we see Scripture, we should go deeper. We should study. We should read before and after. And we should look up, look up Pastor Rennan is extremely uh, good at the Greek. Look up the Greek. You should be a disciple of the Word, and you should seek out what it really means for your life or else you'll miss the problem because if you learn it wrong, you will definitely, definitely live it wrong. But sometimes, you know, we're just trying to help someone. Oh, brother, God will never put on more, more on you than you can bear. Man, we'll make, we'll make magnets out of that and stick it to the refrigerator. I mean, we'll have bumper stickers. God won't put on more than you can bear. That's not what that scripture is talking about. That scripture, that context is talking about temptation. He'll never tempt you beyond you can bear. And if, the, if you do, he'll give you a way out. Listen, I, I don't want to come and be a bearer of bad news. It will get better, I promise. 
But God, there will be things in your life that you cannot bear. Just breathe. It's okay. There will be things in your life that you will not be able to bear. Study the life of the Apostle Paul. He was in jail. He was done. They told him, Paul, we're going to kill you. He said, all right, to live is Christ, to die is gain. And they cut his head off. Ladies and gentlemen, he could not bear that. He's in heaven right now because he could not bear that. There will be things in your life that you cannot bear. And we keep telling people, oh, it's okay because God won't put on you more than you can bear. And this is why I believe that so many people are living in fear and doubt and anxiety and confusion because unintentionally, with a good heart, we're taking Scripture out of context and speaking it over people's life and they're learning it wrong and now they're living it wrong. And I'm not, I'm not trying to point the finger because I know that all of us in the goodness of our heart, are speaking truth and trying to speak truth and life into people, but we have to be careful and make sure we're speaking the right promises of God over people's life. Have you ever been afraid of something that you probably shouldn't be afraid of? No one. I know you're afraid of me, but I'm just kidding. I'm afraid of dogs. Anybody afraid of dogs in the house? Yes, I'm not alone, three of us. But what's crazy is it doesn't matter the size if a chihuahua ran on this stage right now, you wouldn't see nothing but my backside and heel dust. I would beat Usain Bolt in the 100-meter yard dad. There's no doubt about it. I would be gone. You'd see the fastest white guy you've ever seen in your entire life. And it's a chihuahua. I'm not even joking. Ask my mom. Ask anyone. If a chihuahua comes up here, you're thinking, why are you scared of that? You can just kick it. I just love animals. That's why. But I'm afraid. I shouldn't be afraid of dogs. I, I will burn rubber. Uh, also, I ain't going to tell Gerald. I ain't going to tell on Gerald. Is he even in here? No, he's not. He is. Gerald is just a mean guy. I'm just kidding. He's a wonderful guy. He used to try to get me to go across the street in the back with his two pit bulls. What's wrong with him? I'm scared of dogs. One time, me and uh, Crystal, we were on a cruise. And we had this, this dream to go scuba diving. And so we get to go scuba diving. Uh, we were actually on the same cruise as Bishop uh, Randy and Pastor Renee. And uh, we were going scuba diving. And Bishop's like, yeah, y'all go for it. It's going to be awesome. And I'm like, all right, I'm scared. And he's like, for what? I'm like, what if I drown? What if I see a shark? What if I see a barracuda? What are you going to do? You know what I mean? What if something happens down there you can't get out? And so we're like, oh, whatever. Go in there. They take you in a room. They're like, all right, about a 10-minute instructional. This is how you breathe. This is how you put your stuff on. This is what you do. And I already got my stuff on. Like, <laughs> and this little guy comes in, and he's fired up. He's like, okay, okay, okay. We're going to go in the water. And it's going to be fun. And he can see the fear in my eyes because I'm like, <sighs> and he's like, mister, take your goggles off. And I'm like, all right, I thought we was going in the water. And he's like, I just want to let you know, if we're down there and you see a shark more than 10 feet long, you let me know and we'll get out of the water. I'm like, <laughs> I'm thinking, if I see a turtle, I'm walking on water. Like, 
Like, I'm freaked out right now. Like, come on, like, what about nine feet? Like, you know, like, you can handle that one, you know what I mean? Like, nope, that's 10 feet, we got to go. And the whole time, like, I've been waiting to go scuba diving, the whole time I'm down there, all I hear is dun-dun, dun-dun. And I'm thinking, like, I can swim faster than him. And I'm praying, like, Lord, give him a hammy. Let him get a cramp and let him get eight. I'm a Christian. I got stuff to do. God still has to use me. Like, you know, I'm praying for salvation under here. Lord, let him be saved. Let, like, I'll pull your mask off. Like, there is no doubt about it. I'm gone. And the whole time I couldn't even enjoy, and this is no lie, I could not even enjoy the beauty of what I wanted to see forever for years because of something that didn't even happen. Something that didn't even happen. And I, and I wonder how many of us are so worried about something tomorrow that's not even going to happen. Like we're holding on to grace and strength for today, trying to make it last for tomorrow. Did you know that God's grace and mercy renews every day? Every single day. He offers you this peace every single day. But I also recognize there are some of us that say, oh, no, I'm not afraid of nothing. I ain't afraid of nothing. And so I looked up these four just crazy phobias, just goofy stuff. And, and I think you'll enjoy this. Uh, the first one is called this, and I'm going to try to pronounce them the best that I can. It's called ablutophobia. This is the fear of bathing. The fear of bathing. Some of you have this. I'm just kidding. You wonder why in worship when you lifted your hands. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Don't worry. We'll baptize you. Throw a bar of soap in there. All good. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. These are jokes. Uh, the next one is allodoxophobia. The fear of opinions. Husbands, write this down. Allodoxophobia. The fear of opinions. Like, husband, could you see like, hey, what do you think? Well, no, don't tell me I'm afraid. Don't tell me your opinion. That one might be real, though, no doubt. Uh, the next one I looked up is cathosophobia, the fear of sitting down. Now, I could never understand this because I sit down a lot. The fear of sitting down, like, what, do you, like, what is that? Like, oh, God, I'm so tired. Ah! You know, like, the fear of sitting down. I, I, I don't really get that one. And the last one is, is just funny to me. It's sesequibidophobia, the fear of long words. <laughs> it's like 20 letters long. Like, this dude ain't right for that. Like, who made that? Sesequibidophobia, I can't even say it. The fear of long words. And that, it's just funny. Now, I know what you're thinking. Like, I don't have any of those. Those are ridiculous. Those are goofy. If you do, you wouldn't be sitting down or whatever. But oftentimes... <laughs> I feel like we are ruled by fears that we won't acknowledge. We won't acknowledge. Like the first one I have here is the fear of loss. Some of us are ruled by the fear of loss. Like I'm afraid I'll lose an opportunity. I'm afraid uh, uh, I'll lose someone close to me. It's the fear of loss. Like I'm afraid that I won't get that chance and I'll lose another chance. And this is, this is what America's selling us. Like buy it now, buy it now, buy it now, do it now, do it now, do it now, do it now. And we fear uh, uh, the loss of opportunity if we don't do it now. And so we put ourselves into debt. We put ourselves into the wrong situations because we're afraid that if we don't do it, we're going to lose that opportunity. The fear of losing my health, the fear of, of, of losing the way that I look. Guess what? As you get older, you will. Look at your husband if you've been married more than 20 years. 
and don't say nothing. The fear of you losing my youth, and sometimes uh, it's a fear of, of this irrational loss, and the fear of loss is, is really weighing on people, and we're so worried and, and consumed with it that we don't even acknowledge it. It's like, well, you know, that's normal to feel that way. No, it's not. It's not normal to live in fear. It's not from God. The second thing is the fear of failure. I believe that this is, is really uh, haunting a bunch of our young people, the fear of failure. I'm afraid that, some, that, that if I do something, uh, I'm going to fail at it. I'm afraid if I step out and start that business, I'm going to fail at it. I'm afraid that if I go to college, I'm going to fail at it. I'm afraid if I start this new job, I'm going to fail at it. And this fear of loss is really just eating at us and causing us to be frozen where we are. It's a fear of failure, fear that, that we can't do it right because we did it before and it didn't work out, so we're not going to do it again. Fear of failure is, is haunting people, is, is holding people down. Then the next one is the fear of rejection. Where are all the single people at? Not me. I'm just showing you what to do. <laughs> what? Come on, lift your hands so you know what you're working with. Look around, look around, look around. There it is. The fear of rejection. Some of you are single because you're afraid that you'll be rejected. Some of you in this, in this room right now uh, have a fear of rejection. And oftentimes that we have to understand that fear of rejection is a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. In other words, we're so afraid to be rejected by someone, maybe you're married and you're so afraid of that rejection. Maybe you're going to a job and you're so afraid of that rejection that you don't even show up. Uh, that we get there and we're just like put all these walls up and we don't let nobody in because we don't want to be rejected. But yet they still reject us. But they didn't even want to. But they did because they couldn't get through our walls. Because we're holding on to fear of being rejected. Guess what? Jesus was rejected. But guess what? He died for all of us so that we could live and not have rejection in our lives. We can overcome rejection. Rejection will come sometime in one form or another. But I believe that we have to look at it like this, that if we get rejected, it wasn't God's plan for me. I'm going to move on and he's got something better for me. But we can't let this fear of rejection stop us. See, it's real. It isolates us and it leads us to depression. Fear of rejection leads us to depression. Before you know it, you'll look around and you'll be the only person sitting around. You'll be in your room. You'll be in your home. You'll be in your car. Whatever it is, all by yourself, all the time, because we've allowed rejection to set in. This fear of rejection. The last one is fear of the unknown. I believe a lot of people fight this. Fear of the unknown. What if I lose my job? What if something happens to my kids? What if something happens to my family? What if, what if God doesn't answer my prayers? What if, what if I get sick? What if I get a disease? What if? And the fear of the unknown can leave us following our own plan rather than God's plan for our lives. We get impatient and we're like, you know what? I don't know what's going to happen, God. I'm just going to go ahead and do it how I want to do it. And before you know it, you walk yourself right out of the will of God for your life because you're afraid of the what if, the fear of the unknown. See, a lot of you earlier were laughing at those goofy, crazy phobias, but I believe that some of you sat here when I read these four and said, man, I have every one of those. Or I have a couple of those. Or I have that one. 
And so I want to help you understand something this morning that if you have a fear in your mind and it's controlling your life and you've been overwhelmed, uh, overwhelmed and ruled by it, God did not give you that spirit of fear. He can take it away. He can heal you and he can give you peace for your mind and your heart today. God did not give you that fear. You don't want to live in fear anymore? Turn it over to God because he will give you peace that surpasses your understanding. Even if you don't know, he will give you the peace. You can be free right now. See, fear pushes us from the presence of God. It pulls us from our destiny. It causes us to be paralyzed in our life and frozen right where we are, and we can't move forward. So I, I started thinking about in the Bible, just Bible characters, and, and I, I realized that nobody in Scripture knew how to operate better in fear than David. See, David would become one of the greatest kings that the world has ever known. He would actually be the, he would begin the royal bloodline that Jesus the Messiah would be born into. But when we see David, when we first find him, we don't find him as a king. We, we meet him uh, and he's on the backside of a pasture tending to sheep. His dad, Jesse, is entertaining the prophet of God because uh, God is tired of the current king, Saul. And so he says, we're going to choose a new king from the house of Jesse. And so the prophet gets there and he asks Jesse, he says, uh, do you have any sons? And bring them all up here. And so he brings all of his sons up there, except for David. David's still tending to sheep. The prophet says, none of these God has chosen. Do you have any more sons? And he says, yeah, I have my youngest son. He's out there. He's a shepherd. And the prophet says, bring him in. And so they say, go get David. And so David comes running up, probably with his, his little staff, and he's like <sighs> breathing from out in the field. And the, at, at the moment the prophet sees him, God speaks, and he says, this is the king. And he anoints David as king. Now, this is a side note, and I probably could preach a whole other sermon, and I may. But do you know what David does right after he gets anointed to be king? He goes back to the pasture to tend sheep. Because sometimes there's a distance between the anointing and the appointing. Sometimes God says something over your life and he says, you're anointed to do this. And we're like, all right, give me the mic. But see, it's in between the anointing and the appointing that God can know how much he can use you. It's how faithful you are. If you're full of fear and you're full of doubt and you're full of anxiety, there's no way that God can say, yep, you're ready, go do it. I'm going to preach a sermon on that. That's a good sermon. But you can't be full of fear because uh, I believe that every person in here is anointed and called and destined to do something great for God, but some of you are held hostage because of fear and anxiety. Maybe you've heard, if you're new here, if you're a guest, maybe you, you've heard, maybe you haven't heard the story of David and Goliath, but uh, I'll, I'll summarize it for you. It's uh, the people of God are, are, are in battle. Uh, they're standing on one side of the valley, and the Philistines are standing on the other side, and out comes this giant. And he's screaming, send me a man to fight. And if you win, we'll be your slaves forever. But if I win... The people of God will be our slaves. And the army of God is terrified. If you haven't heard, Goliath's like nine feet tall. He's a big guy. He's, he's got a sword. He's got armor. He's, he's killing everybody. 
So the people of God are trembling and they're afraid. And here comes David. He's bringing his brother a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And he's like, what the heck's going on here? And his brothers are like, shh, 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 David, chill out. He's like, what, what's happening? Why are you all trembling and worried? He's like, there's a giant over there. And Goliath steps up and he says it again, send me a man to fight. And David says something pretty, pretty bold. He said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that would challenge the people of God? I can imagine his brothers like, David, shut up. Bro, he's huge. This is going to be in the Bible, David. I would hate for you to go out like this. Like, like David, chill. But if you understand what David was saying, you understand the history that David has been through, and you understand where the power of God came from like David did, what David was saying is that you're not authorized to speak that way against the people of God. We are the people of faith, not the people of fear. No longer will we run and hide, but we will stand up to you, and we will win the battle. Because David understood he had been delivered from bear, he had been delivered from lion, he had fought them barehanded, and he understood that the peace of God was with him. He understood that he didn't have to worry. He didn't have to doubt. He just had to be bold and God would come through for him. He understood that we're not full of fear, but we're full of faith. And David, he goes, he does something that we all will have to do at one point or another in our life. He faces his giant. He faces his giant. At some time, you're going to have to face your giant. Whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're going through day to day, uh, week to week, whatever it is, you're going to have to face your giant. I'm here to tell you, not as a bearer of bad news, but just to, just to let you know so you're not uninformed that giants will be a part of your life for the rest of your life. In fact, I would submit to you, the moment you ask God to take you to another level, he will allow you to fight the giant at the end of this one. It's kind of like Mario Brothers. You know, you're going through the level, you get to the end, you got to go to the castle and fight the dragon. And then you go to the next level. But I'm afraid some of us are just hanging out over here in the free coin land, just jumping up, getting all the mushrooms and all the coins and like, man, it's so good in here. It's so good. I'm good right here. I'll just stay right here. I don't care about the next level. I'll just camp out and get these mushrooms and these coins. It's so amazing, God. You're so good. But let me tell you something. Some of you are camping out, but God didn't call you to camp out. He called you to brandish a sword and walk into battle and get into your promised land and change something and do something new and build something and fight something and conquer something. God didn't call you to live in fear. He called you to face your giant. I don't know what your fear may be. I don't know what your giant may be. Maybe it's bills you can't pay. Maybe it's a past you can't get past. Maybe it's a relationship that you can't seem to hold, hold together. Maybe it's a future you don't know what to do, uh, to do with, but at some point you have to face it. Some point you have to face your giant. So how do you face it? Maybe you're asking that question. How do I face it? I know those things, but I just need to know how to face it. I have one point for you. It's pretty simple. You have to learn to convert your fear into faith. You have to learn to convert your fear into faith. Did you know that both heroes and cowards have fear? The difference is, is that heroes have learned to convert their fear into faith. And they accomplish great things. That's why they 
our heroes. So how, how, do, we, how do we do that? How do we, how do we convert our fear into faith? All you have to do is look at the difference between David and his brothers. His brothers, uh, they, were, they were in battle. His brothers looked like soldiers. They act like soldiers. They had swords. They had armor. They smelled like soldiers. But when battle came, they hid. David comes along. He rolls up and he looks like a shepherd. He acts like a shepherd. I'm sure he smelled like a shepherd. David comes up and, and the battle comes and this shepherd boy stands up and he says, you know what? I'm going to go out and fight this giant with a slingshot and five stones. I'm sure people laughed at him. I'm sure people said, you're crazy, you're dying. They probably already had flowers ready. Like, hallelujah, you know, wade in the water. Whatever it was, David rose up with a slingshot and five stones. Same giant, different perspective. So how do we learn to convert our fear into faith? We have to change our perspective. We can't look at things the way the world looks at them. We can't see the way that the world sees. Instead of saying, oh, God, I'm so tired, we say, thank you, Jesus, for this day. Instead of saying, God, I'm struggling, I don't know what to do, I'm just, I'm just here. Instead of complaining, you say, my God is good. He will supply all of my needs. He is for me, and he is not against me. And we, we can't be rooted in this fear. We have to be rooted in faith. If we're not rooted in faith, fear will take over. Did you know that fear is the number one way the enemy attacks? He gets into your mind and your heart. That's exactly why Philippians says, my peace will cover your heart and your mind, not your situation. So we have to be rooted in faith in order to have a change of perspective. Uh, Colossians 2, 7 says this, let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught. In the truth you were taught. We have to make sure that we're taught the right things. Aren't you glad that we have a pastor that's not afraid to stick back his shoulders and poke out his chest and speak the word of God the way that it's supposed to be spoke? Aren't you glad that you go to a church that's not bending, uh, bending the word to fit culture, but yet we're bending culture to fit the word? We have to be rooted in faith. This is why we have growth track. And I'm making shameless plugs. This is why we have growth track, where you can be rooted in the church. You can be grounded and planted that you can learn and grow the, in, in the truth. This is why we have small groups. I'm a firm believer everyone in the room needs to be a part of a small group, that you can surround yourself with people that are trying to learn the truth and speak the truth. Small groups. This is why we do these things, because you have to be rooted in faith. So our perspective has to change in order for us to turn our fear into faith. And David understood that even though this giant, which was, which was much bigger than him, much stronger than him, had armor and a big old sword, wasn't afraid. Even though these feelings were real in his life, David knew that God was with him. Even though he felt these real feelings, he understood that they weren't true. He understood that he had peace. And I'm preaching to someone that even though you feel by yourself, even though you feel afraid, you serve a holy God that wants to stand right beside you and give you strength to fight your battle every day. As our team comes, I want to end with this verse here that we've all heard in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power... Love and self-discipline. 
I'm sure everyone in this room has spoke this word or, or said this verse over their life at some point or another. If you haven't, you will. But do we really know what it means? Do we really understand and have learned it the right way? Do we really know how to live this the right way in our lives? Because uh, if you've learned it the wrong way, you're living it the wrong way, and you'll be bound by this fear that God has not given you. See, I, I, and Pastor Ann's going to be so happy because I, I went to the Greek. Hallelujah. So power in the Greek right here is the dynamis. Y'all know he loves this word. Dynamis word in the Greek. And dynamis means inherent power or power, I love this, residing in a thing by virtue of its nature. Power residing in me by virtue of nature. What does this mean? See, I believe that so many times uh, people are saying this over their lives, like, God, you have not given me a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. And they set their slingshot down and like, okay, God, pick it up and kill the giant. Kill him. That's right, you haven't given me fear, but power, love, I'm just loving on them, and self-discipline. But what you don't understand is that God did not sling the slingshot one time for David. He gave David the power, the dynamous power, the, by the virtue of God inside of David, the ability to swing the slingshot and kill his giant. Too many times we're just like, oh, God, take it. And God's like, I've given you the power, the same power that raised my son Jesus from the grave lives in you. We see the verse all the time, greater works than this will we do. That's so true. The problem that we don't see those things or do those things is because we just want God to do those things. Well, you know, I can't heal that person because it's just going to take God. It is, but it's God in you. It's the, the power, the dynamous power by the virtue of God. Don't get me wrong. It's not us by our flesh and our own mind and our own thinking. But it's the power that God has placed inside of you. That you can overcome any obstacle, that you don't have to be afraid, that you don't have to worry, you don't have to live in anxiety, but you can overcome. I'll tell you a story in my life where I was afraid, but I began to grab hold of this verse for what it really meant. When me and Crystal uh, got pregnant our first time with our, our first child, Annabella, uh, about eight months in, she had some complications. And so she had to stop working, couldn't stand on her feet too much. And they were just saying, if you don't, you could lose this child. And we're like, oh, we'll take all the precautions we need to take. So she goes into labor, and she's in labor at the max amount, I think 12 hours or whatever it is. And they're like, man, we can't get her. She's turned upside down and stuck in the birth canal. If we don't have an emergency C-section right now, you're going to lose her or she'll have complications for the rest of her life. And so they take my wife, and, whew, and she's freaked out. This is our first kid. We don't know what's going on. She's, she's like, I'm so scared. She's crying. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. I'm freaking out, too. It happens so fast. They bring me back into this room, and they're like, here, put these clothes on. They gave me all the little scrubs, you know. And I'm in this room by myself, and I begin to cry. And I said, God, I'm afraid. The Bible says that we should pray about everything, make our requests known. I said, God, I'm afraid, but I know that you're the healer. I know that you're the protector, and I don't have fear right now. Lord, let peace come on my life. 
And probably one of the greatest times of my life that I felt the peace of God more than any time was right there. I walked into that, that, that operating room and my child was born and they were like, well, we're just going to make sure she, you know, she had her head was a cone shape from being stuck in the, the birth canal and all these things. We're going to make sure, we got to make sure she's going to be okay. But did you know that if you walk around this church that there's a 10-year-old redheaded girl that doesn't have any problems, that doesn't have any uh, worry or any doubt? She's smart. She can flip across this stage. She can flip across this thing because the peace of God grabbed hold of me and said, you don't worry. I'm right with you. And I had to pick up the slingshot. And I had to walk in there and tell my wife, we're not afraid of the enemy's attack. We can sling this slingshot. We can defeat this giant. I don't know where you are, where, what giants you face in your life, but I believe that God has sent me to tell you that you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to worry. You don't have to hide. You're a people of God. You're not a people of fear. You're a people of faith. And if there's a giant standing in your way this morning, I want to invite you to come when we call the pastors and elders and prayer partners and allow someone to link up with you and pray with you because I believe that the power of God, the peace of God, the virtue of God, the dynamous power will infiltrate your spirit today, will guard your heart and guard your mind, and you can walk out of here knowing that I'm going to pick up my slingshot, and if it comes at me again, devil, it's over. I got you. And it brings us all the way back to our first verse in Philippians. It says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. That's answering the altar call. And the peace of God, I'm praying right now that the peace of God would touch your lives, surpass your understanding, and guard your hearts and your minds this morning. And then... You can read this verse like this in 2 Timothy. For God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power. As a matter of fact, devil, the same power that conquered death, that you thought you defeated our enemy, you've given to me. And you can overcome. If you'd bow your head and close your eyes, and our prayer partners and pastors and elders are coming. I just want to pray, and I believe that God is going to give you peace this morning where you need peace. That you don't have to worry, you don't have to live in fear. You don't have to be anxious. God is with you. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity just to be in your presence. Father, we know that you are with us and you're standing right next to us. Father, we, we ask that every person that's facing a giant, facing a battle, Father, that you would begin to give them peace this morning. Father, they wouldn't have to hide or be, be afraid any longer because you have not given us a spirit of fear, but you placed your dynamous power inside of us that we could overcome. Father, I declare right now that you touch every heart and every mind in the name of Jesus. Amen. You can...